You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Outlaws and Gunslingers time once again, once again, and no, 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 miraculously, we are- This podcast ain't big enough for the both of us. Is it the both of us or the two of us? I think it's both of us, right? I think it's two of us. Just the two of us, we can make it if we try. No, we can't. Just the two of us, you and I. After all the shows we've done, and you still, <laughs> you still interrupt during the intro and during the outro every <laughs> single time. Hey, what do you want me to do, buddy? Get low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, inside reference. You guys probably don't even understand what's going on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're still somehow in the 30s, which we're well, 30s, 40s, 20s, but with uh, these crimes of these people's. Obviously, majority in the 30s. Their biggest crimes in the 30s. Hence why we're in the 30s. Right. Most and, of these uh, people, a lot of these people live long past their 30s, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, we pretty much. And we've also skipped out on some uh, organized crime members that did some stuff in the 30s, but they also are, uh, will be important in future episodes. Right. Which we've uh, discussed. Mafia by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this guy, you guys uh, have already heard. A little teeny bit from uh, Ooh, Frank Jones. Oh, pretty boy, pretty boy Floyd. <laughs> pretty boy boy. <laughs> um, episode, just a little smidge. Little of course, uh, we're talking about Frank Nash. A little butterfly, it landed a smidge from my eye. Who, if you remember Frank Nash, he was actually a pretty important, and I said important me, guy that <laughs> was. Uh, Get off me, but got a whole got a whole <laughs> a whole posse. To uh, <laughs> they're insane clowns. <laughs> he got a whole posse to uh, break him out of custody, as you will see. And they call him his juggler later on in this <laughs> in the end of this episode. <laughs> well, good old Frank Jelly Nash was born on February 6, eighteen eighty seven, in Birdseye, Indiana. Hey, his father John Pappy, Pappy, Pappy Nash, Pappy and Jelly, Pappy. <laughs> Can I get a Pappy and Jelly sandwich, please? <laughs> a, P, a P B and J. No, it'd just be a P and J. Right, a pappy, pappy butter, <laughs> pappy butter and jelly. <laughs> Can I get pappy butter? Uh, <laughs> Any pappy butter? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know what pappy butter is. It could be poppy, poppy seeds, and well, they say pappy. His name's Pappy. Right, it could be poppy, <laughs> pappy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, his daddy, his daddy Pappy, uh, started. Hotels in several southern towns, including Paragold and Jer- Jonesboro, hey. which is in Craighead County. Craighead. A bunch of Craigheads and Craighead. Little Craighead. The Craigheads. Little Craighead. Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas. Nice. And Hobart, Oklahoma. Well, Nash's mother, Elta, was the second of John's three wives. I think it's Alta. Who gives a hell? Elta, Alta. Whatever. She's not even his wife. She's irrelevant. Right. But he just, is her mother, his mother, Nash's mother. Well, well, Nash had two sisters and two stepbrothers living in Paragold from 1893 to 1896. Well, he then moved with his father to Jonesboro and afterward to Hobart, which he later treated as his hometown. 
Okay. So this guy was a little bit all over the place and apparently didn't want to live with his mama. His daddy was a little runaround. He didn't want to go live with Mammy, so he's going to go with Pappy. Not too often back in those days there was children running around with a single dad. Uh, not too often. I mean, in the 1890s? I mean, I, I bet you it was more often than that. How many times were chicks dying during childbirth and yeah, but they usually all find that a, stuff? They usually find an old lady right away. Well, I guess he did have three wives. All right. Yeah, it'd be like the sister. All right. <laughs> what was that in um, The Patriot? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he ends mm-hmm. up falling in love with the, six, the sister, banging her before he leaves. Right. What's up with that? All right. Well, Nash worked in his father's hotels and also served in the United States Army from the year of 1904 to 1907. He oh, later, this guy, a U.S. Army veteran. Yeah. Pretty good for him. He huh? got out right before World War. I don't know if he's a veteran. He's only for three years, four years. <clears throat> Did he get... Did he get dishonorably discharged? Well he, well, he later served three prison sentences for various crimes. Yes, sir. Including robbery and murder. Moida! He got the Moida charge. Uh. Nash is thought to have participated in roughly 200 bank robberies. Jeez. Whoa. And was often considered the mastermind of several groups of criminals. Whom we've uh, discussed all of them. He's, he's pretty much everybody we've discussed so far. Nelson, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, Dillinger. He had a, he had a, um, a role and all of those like, uh, peoples. Take all this information to this bank to Nash, and he'll tell you what we need mm. to do. Well, he also planned various escapes from prison, both from within the prison and while free. In spite of his criminal record, Nash was widely considered friendly, likable, and charming. Oh, Aren't they all? Nice. Aren't, Aren't they, they all? Always are. Well, his nickname, Jelly, which was shortened from Jelly Bean, <laughs> e. began during his childhood due to his poise and his well-groomed appearance, although some associate the nickname with the explosive used to open bank safes. Jelly, jelly bean. What was? It's like a jelly bean back in the day, like a. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a term for like a well-dressed person. These days, it's it's well. These days, it's slang for somebody who appears hard-headed, but is really a tender heart. I mean, basically would, what they said would, uh, was appear to him, right? All right. I want the Urban Dictionary. A bean that is jealous. <laughs> that bean is so that jelly. bean is so jelly. I can't help but call it a jelly bean. <laughs> Are you serious? Okay. A person that puts on a false behavior as being hard or tough that is really big, softy, or punk on the inside. All right. Oh, he's just a big old jelly bean. All right. Teddy bear. Another word for goofball. You're such a jelly bean. <laughs> Dude, you're such a freaking jelly bean. Wow. I love my life. I mean, I guess all I got, that. Now I got my little jelly bean with me. My little jelly bean. Yeah. <laughs> the hell what? To pass someone interested in you along to a friend, like one might pass a friend or a football or a jelly bean. It's unlike jelly beans, people have feelings. <laughs> so successful jelly bean in is rare and requires great skill and concentration. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, my. I don't even know. Urban Dictionary, you got some, you got some other stuff. Jeez. Wow. Okay, well, his jelly bean. He's a big softy, pretty much, is what that's saying. A big old softy. Big old softy. Uh, jelly bean was first convicted in 1913. <laughs> jelly. Just jelly now. Yeah, jelly. Jelly. Jelly? Jelly? I'm a loner. I'm a bean. <laughs> I'm a bean. <laughs> I like to be jelly. <laughs> I like to be jellied. <laughs> uh, uh, Nash was first convicted in 1913. He and his friend Nolly, Humpy, that's what they would call him. Uh, Nolly Humpy Wartman. Humpy and, Humpy and Jelly. <laughs> right. Humpy Jelly. Jelly uh, Humpy. That's Humpy a, Jelly. That's a sitcom. Humpy Hump, and Jelly. Humpy and Jelly. Jelly the, and Humpy. The Adventures of Humpy and Jelly. Nice. Well, anyway, these two guys, they stole nearly $1,000 from a store in Sepalopa, 
Sepulo, Sepul, yeah, Sepulopa, Oklahoma. Sepulpa. 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 S a p u l p a. Sepulpa. 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 Yeah, yeah, Sepulpa. Anyway, they stole a thousand dollars from a store there. Right. While escaping, Nash suggested they hide the evidence. Oh, like, good, good one, Nash. Look at he's already presented like, himself as a mastermind. He's like, well, but we're escaping. He's like, yeah, but you never know. <laughs> like, we gotta have just stash it underneath that dumpster. It'll never get moved. Right. As Wortman went to bury the money, Nash oh, shot him in the back. Oh, oh. he is really a mastermind. All right. He was arrested hours later and sentenced to life in Oklahoma State Penitentiary. He's like, he's like, humpy, bury this. He's like, why don't you? He's like, my back hurts. Right. <laughs> he's like, all right. <laughs> Boom. Bam. Imagine when he heard that. Oh, he knew. Oh. He probably just closed his eyes. Probably just looked up and was like, this mug. <laughs> this jelly bean. Looks up like <laughs> Taker does when he's in the ring looking at his guy and he knows somebody else is behind him. <laughs> Super kick to the face. There you go. Super sledge to the face. Please don't mix the world of professional wrestling <laughs> and um, <laughs> 1930s gangsters. On March 28, 1918, Nash's sentence was reduced to 10 years. After he convinced the warden he wanted to join the army and fight in World War One, okay, Nash signed his military reg- registration card on June. So they 12th. let felons join the army back then, and they had to take anybody they can get. Right. Well, he signed his registration card on June twelfth of that same year and was released on August sixteenth. Nash saw action in Belleau Wood, France, before the end of the war. The fighting in Belleau Wood ended in June nineteen eighteen, and the war ended November eleventh of that year. So he got out pretty easy, huh? Right. Uh. Who was in the military from 1904 to 1907? He was in the army. So he went to the... He went to the army, and then he was born in 1887, so at this time he's 31 years old, and they're still accepting him in the army, or the navy. Right. Okay. Right? So he went... He did another turn. Oh, he went back to the army, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good for him. Wow. Well, unfortunately for him. Two short years later, Nash was convicted of burglary using explosives. Also known as safe cracking. <laughs> you think? And sentenced to 25 years in the Oklahoma State Penitentiary. Okay. He became a trustee, and his sentence was reduced to five years. <laughs> Whoa. Jeez. Wow. 29th December, 1922, Nash was released, and he joined the L. Spencer gang. Naturally. Naturally. Wait a minute here. He came back from the war in 1918. Mm-hmm. Two years later, in 1920, he goes back to prison for five years, but he gets out in 2022. I mean, 1922. He must have had it reduced after five years. Wow. Anyhow, 1922, December 29th, Nash was released. Like I said, joined L. Spencer's gang. Two years later. Wow. He was released in August 1918. He saw action in Baloo, which ended in June of 1918. Yeah. The, the, the action in Baloo ended in June. How did he, and he, got how did he in see August. action in there then when the, uh, he got out a month after action ended. Before the end of the war. I get it. He saw action in Belleau Wood, France, before the end of the war. He got out in August, right? No, he signed on the 12th of June. He signed his registration card, but he didn't get out of prison until August 16th. No, and he was released by the the army in 1918. No, he was released from prison on August 16th. And it says Nash saw action in Before the end of the war, but the fighting in Belleau Wood ended in June. So how did he, if he signed his registration card on June 12th, he couldn't have saw action in Baloo. He saw some action there. Well, no, I don't know what the hell, man. That don't make no sense. So he went there for like a short amount of time. He went there basically. for two days? Maybe like a month. Hmm. Ended up spending only two years in prison? 
After that? I guess so, right? Did he go back to... No, because he went back to... Two years later, in 1920, he went to prison. Right. For and 25 then, years. And then reduced to five, but he ended up getting out December 29th, 1922. Got some holes here. I guess so. Well, no, I mean, who knows? Got his shit commuted or something. Mm. I mean... Well, whatever. However they did stuff back then. I don't have access to Oklahoma State Penitentiary records, so... <laughs> Is it like uh, 30 days off your time for... I think they did. Somebody... Every fuck every one of day? these guys we're going to cover. I did read that. Yeah, they they did something. They were put to work doing something in the prison, and every every it was like hour or every day they served that. It got it like two so weeks. many days off of their sentence. Right. Yeah. yeah so I guess in fi- in two years he could have reduced a five year sentence. Yeah. Cool. Good I mean, for him. I guess, right, whatever. Right. Well, right. Right. worked out for L. Spencer. Did on twenty nine uh nineteen twenty two of December. Anyway, he's with the L Spencer gang now, a group of bank robbers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh August twentieth, nineteen twenty three, almost a year later, the Spencer gang robbed the Katie Limited Postal Train at Okisa, Oklahoma. Jeez. Okisa. This guy just can't I guess he's just like any other prisoner can't stop the robin, man, no matter what they do. Oh. This is my last score, the big score. Plus, robins are hard to catch. They're, they're really fast. Right. Nash fled to Juarez, Mexico, where he married a local woman. All right. Okay, good. Many sources claim that Nash hoped to falsify the date on the marriage license to provide him an alibi for the time of the train robbery. Oh. Okay. The same sources also state that Nash was already married to a sweetheart from Hobart. Oh. <laughs> so my old sweetheart, sweetheart from Hobart. <laughs> <laughs> but the names of his first two wives are not known. Hmm. hmm. His military registration card indicates that he was single in 1918, though. Okay. I mean, clearly this guy's just putting whatever he wants on uh, right. stuff, so how are you going to rely on that anyways? Right. And if he was married in he just went in his backyard and was like, we're married. All right. Didn't even have to go in his backyard. He right. went in the bedroom. All right. We're married. Right. Under good. We're, we're married. married. <laughs> <laughs> we're married. Pregnant. <laughs> Nash was enticed. Ooh, enticed. Across the... Uh, <sighs> Nash was enticed across the Mexico-United States border and arrested for the burglary of the Katy Limited in 1924. Oh, wow. So he went to Mexico? He went to Mexico to marry the chick, remember? Oh, after that was the a burglar, war. After the burglary. That was Juarez, New Mexico. Uh, right. No, that was Juarez, in Mexico. Was it Mexico yeah. itself? Oh, okay. All right. Um. Well, how'd they entice him? They dangle like a $20 <laughs> bill over the Rio Grande and was like, hey, come on, they, they Frankie. Put a, they put a cardboard cover of a, a bank front. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> He's like in the middle of the desert on the Rio Grande. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> Nobody with around. A, with a big sign that says, We have lots of money. <laughs> He's no, like, No safe yet. Our safe right. is not here yet. Safe will be on the way. No time lock on safe. <laughs> He's like, Jackpot. Oh, my. <laughs> All we got to do is step across this little river. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> And as soon as he got there, he goes to get in the doorway, and they just kick it over okay. while he's standing in the doorway. Uh, yeah, I'm like, we got gotcha. you. That's hilarious. He's like, could they still get him for attempted burglary? <laughs> <laughs> Unless they had like a real something from a bank sitting right there. All right. Like a bank vault they borrowed from another bank. <laughs> just put it there to get him on another charge. Wouldn't put it past him. Oh, that's hilarious, though. They enticed him across the border. Right. Jeez. Right. 
Yeah, so they got uh, uh, they extradited him out of uh, Mexico into the United States. They didn't extradite him, right? They extradited him. They enticed him. Yeah, they enticedited him. They enticedited. <laughs> they enticedited. He got enticedited. He got enticedited. He Anyway, he he went back to the United yeah, States. Yeah, we know he's arrested. in the United States. Yes, right. Uh, and they got him for the Katy Limited burglary in 1924. First of March, Nash and three members of the Spencer gang received 25 year sentences. At the federal penitentiary at Fort Leavenworth. Now he's going to federal. Uh-huh. This is in Kansas where Fort Leavenworth is. You guys should know this by now. Uh, for mail robbery. Ooh. Oh, that's why. Uh-huh. And assault on a mail custodian. Ooh, you can't mess with mail people. Mm-mm. Federal offense. You can't even mess with their little, the little metal boxes they put the mail in. Mm-mm. That was a postal train. Oh. Obviously. Right. Federal offense. Federality. You know? Well, in 1930, while in prison, he was appointed the deputy warden chef and general handyman, a position that bought privileges. Oh, this is the one that I was just saying. Um, I'm pretty sure, right? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and brought privileges to him. On October 19th, 1930, Nash was sent outside the prison on an errand and never returned. The, the, the stupid warden chef or the warden, the deputy warden's like, or he probably went up there and was like, hey, I, we need more onions, dude. And he's like, well, the uh, cart's not going to be here for another week. He's like, I can just run down and get some. He's like, right, he's like, just go right. <laughs> it'll take me. Back. It'll take me two or three days on right horseback. Back. Yeah, they'll be right back on horseback. And they like, no, you don't need to take the horse. Take Dolesmobile sitting out back. <laughs> Here's the keys. <laughs> <laughs> don't you need a guard to go with me? Nah, you're good. Yeah, right. You haven't killed me with your food yet. <laughs> right. I'm looking forward to that spaghetti tonight. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are. You're still looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Till this day, I never had that spaghetti. Had that spaghetti. I keep them spaghetti noodles <laughs> locked up in the safe. <laughs> I make sure nobody in this prison ever gets spaghetti ever again. Damn it. Oh, jeez. Wow. Well, I mean, how? Especially a federal Dude, penitentiary. These people are morons. So many holes. The in this. deputy warden. Right. Oh, jeez. <sighs> like, I go ahead, bud. Nash escaped to Chicago. Where he fell in love with a barmaid named Frances Luce or Luci, Luci, L U C E, however you want to say that last name, whatever. Uh, and he continued his criminal activity. He might as well. He's on a raw, raw. He's on the run from the law. What else can you do? You can't just go get a job somewhere. I mean, I guess you could. Well, anyway, no. <laughs> no. thanks for thank you for uh, rationalize that by yourself, all in your in your. Your own little workout. Oh, but this time he expanded his, his criminal activities into the major cities. Oh, major. Of the United States. He's not, no longer messing with these little towns. Like, uh, I don't know what. Uh, you think it harder? You think it would be harder to find him and arrest him in a major city because there's so many people? I don't think so. As in like a small city? Because obviously so. in a small city, everybody knows who's who and who comes in and goes out of town. Yeah, but you got your advantages in a small city. But you're in Chicago. Nobody's going to know if you're even in town. Yeah, but you're not going to be traveling through the whole city of Chicago all the time. You're most likely going to be in one spot. You think so? I know so. What's that got to do with anything? Because you're easier. It's just like a small town. They know where to look for you. So why didn't they get Capone then? They did. They got him on tax charges, not anything to do with a gang. That's totally different. They couldn't get no evidence on it. I mean, they had the evidence, but nothing solid. Hmm. They knew what he was doing. Did they? They do. Obviously. Anyhow. Anywho. <laughs> Among other crimes during these years, Nash assisted in the escape of seven prisoners from Fort Leavenworth. In the year of 1931, in the month of December. Yes, he did. He all brought these criminals home for their families in time for Christmas. Which I believe one of them are happened to be Pretty Boy Floyd himself. It was called the Great Christmas Breakout. Right. 
Nash visited Hot Springs, Hot Springs, with Frances Lucy and her daughter in the spring of 1932, and returned with them the following spring. It's springtime in Hot Springs. Right. Hot Springs was then known as a playground for members of the criminal underworld. Without telling her about his first two wives, Nash married Lucy, Lucy, on May 26, 1933. The two adopted the last name of Moore. Wow. Well, they had to, right? They had to do something. He's now Frank Moore. Right. They had to do something. If he's going to be on the run for life, and he's telling his old lady now, he's like, I swear I'm done. Does she know even who he is? Right. I'd like to know First of all. 15th of June, 1933, two Hokies, two Hokies, two two Oklahoma City Federal Bureau of Investigations, that's FBI agents, FBI, (laughs) Uh, Joe Lackey and Frank Smith, oh, Lackey, Frank Smith, too, learned that Nash was in Hot Springs, the agents drove to Hot Springs, accompanied by Otto Reed, the police chief of McAllister, Oklahoma, oh, good for him, FBI agents were forbidden from carrying weapons and making arrests during this time period, they were, but... After this story, that will soon change. So these are like just basically private investigators to go get the story to the real people, to the real cops. <laughs> they were forbidden from carrying weapons and making arrests during that time period. So what well, the hell were they, they could, going to They couldn't do nothing. Well, I mean, they investigated. Right. That's what they literally called the Bureau of Investigation. Exactly. Uh, they learned that, and that's why they had to have the sheriff with them. Like, we right. need somebody here. <laughs> they learned that Nash was frequently found in the White Front Cigar Store, which is owned by Richard Galatas. And frequented by many criminals of a national stature. Uh, yeah. On 16th of June, the agents arrested Nash and drove to Fort. Well, they didn't arrest Nash. Let's get the credit where the credit's due. It's right. clearly the dare uh, the dare the sheriff. Right. The sheriff that did arrested. That. Arrested. Right. And drove them to Fort Smith, Arkansas, in Sebastian County. All right. So he's back in so Arkansas. Got him without without incident, huh? Got him. Yeah, might as well. So far, the only fired or shot this guy has fired is the dude in the back. Right. And it seems to me. Uh, this guy is not scared of going to prison because he knows I'll be there for like a year and a half. No, that or I, I'll escape. I can escape and uh, be fine. I'll, I'll go on another errand. This dude got sentenced to like three different twenty-five year sentences, <laughs> and only did maybe seven years in prison. Five of them were legally done, and the other, right. however many he, I don't know how long he's there before he escaped. Wow. Well, that very night, Nash, accompanied by Lacking Smith and Reed. Boarded a Missouri Pacific train bound for Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. However, however, word of Nash's capture had gotten around town mm-hmm. very quickly, mm-hmm. as well as the destination of the agents. <laughs> Where are they taking them? I heard over here. Over there, Kansas City. And you know what happens after that? Lots of plans. And they were apparently made an attempt to free him. Which uh, you guys know. Is that like the 310 to Yuma? Remember that? Is that like that? I don't know. Well, we've done it because this is Kansas City Massacre. 310 to Yuma is a Western, though. So. That's a good, good story. After arriving at the Kansas City Union Station at 7.15 a.m. on June 17, 1933, and meeting additional agents, Nash was put in a parked car outside the station. Well, two or three armed men approached the car, and many shots were exchanged. Yeah, obviously. Accounts differ regarding who fired first, but yeah. what is known is that in the end, Nash was killed. Does it matter who fired first, really? As were Reed, FBI agent Raymond Caffrey, and Kansas City Police Detectives W.J. Red Grooms and Frank Hermanson. Hmm. And uh, you guys can read fully about the Kansas City Massacre on the, I believe you it's think, the uh, Pretty Boy Floyd episode. Do you think Reed or one of the FBI agents just killed Nash? was like, dude, you've been getting away with so much stuff, they're not getting you out. No. If we die, you die. No. And it's murdered. If you, you clearly don't remember when we did the massacre, it was the gangster shot and killed him. An accident. 
Wasn't it? Well, yeah, they were all they were shooting in the car right, and they right. killed everybody. Right, I remember now. Based on testimony of surviving Nash, agents, Nash uh, failed to put his head down. Apparently, I mean, what can you do? Based on testimony of surviving agents, authorities saw Charles Pretty Boy Floyd. There you go, Floyd's partner Adam Ricchetti. Adam Ricchetti and Vernon Miller as suspects. Uh-huh. Miller was later found murdered in Detroit. Murdered. Floyd, who became public enemy number uno mm-hmm. after the July 1934 death of. John Dillinger. Mm-hmm. Floyd was killed by the FBI in Ohio in October 1934. Yes, sir. Uh, denying to the end any involvement in the massacres. And if you guys go look at that Pretty Boy about. Floyd episode, you would know that there's a little bit of controversy surrounding how he died there, too. So awesome. highly recommend to go look out that episode. I mean, there's always some... Not all these guys. Most of these guys were pretty much done. Like like uh, Dickie Malsani. Never spend too long looking in your trunk, bud. Mm-hmm. In the nighttime. Right. Jeez. Leave that shit there and get it in the morning. Right. Or never. Send your wife out to get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however. However. Ricchetti was arrested in Ohio. Ohio. He was tried and convicted for the Kansas City Massacre shootings. And then later executed in Missouri's gas chamber on the 7th of October. Oh, gas chamber. 1938. Damn. They didn't know nothing about the gas chambers that were uh, about to come in a couple years. Right. On the other side of the world, you know? Right. The body of Nash was claimed by his sister, Alice Long, and is buried in Linwood Cemetery in Paragold, Arkansas. His funeral brought many strangers assumed to be gangsters to town, prompted by the massacre. And here we go. This is how it changed uh, the FBI forever. In January of 1934, the U.S. Congress passed legislation that allowed FBI agents to be armed and gave them the authority to make arrests. Right. Um, So... All this time, Nash never went back home to see family. Apparently not. If he did, uh, it wasn't on record. He did it really smoothly. There's a lot of lie. There's a lot of holes in his story, man. A lot of stuff that nobody knows about. That yeah, it probably happened. Trust me. Without reading, um, there is a book about him. I'm pretty sure. If without reading that whole damn book, uh, yeah, available on on the internet wise, there's not really. All right. This is what you got right here. Right. So, a lot of missing pieces. Pretty much the full extent couple missing pieces there but he seems more of a he's more he murdered a lot of people i don't think he murdered anybody one besides this guy that yeah in the beginning and there had been reason for that <laughs> yeah he wanted to loot <laughs> man there's more than that because he robbed a million places with other people never killed them yeah. this guy was young then yeah but i think something was going on there i think well, he didn't trust him didn't trust him shot him in the back right and maybe they didn't get along at one time right uh, you never know or he was a he ran in his mouth at bars at night or something. And he's like, what, the f- what are you doing? That'd, Shut up. That'll definitely get you killed in the world of gangsters. I mean, I guess. Running your mouth to strangers. So if you guys want to visit Nash's uh, his remains, well, he can't see his remains, but his, <laughs> his resting place, it's in Lidwood Cemetery. I mean, who would go to somebody's somebody's uh, uh, grave? <laughs> Isn't that the whole reason of graves? Yeah, but why would you go to see a, a murderer or a criminal I can see going to, like, John F. Kennedy's place or Lincoln's place. Same reason why there's, like, six. But to travel all the way to Wisconsin to see Ed Gein. Considering there's, like, six uh, gangster museums in the United States. And then and go into a, a little small town bar and ask where Ed Gein's uh, uh, burial ground is at, knowing this is the town that he murdered half these people's family. I love them so much. Or go down to... Uh, uh, Ted Bundy was he in California? I think he went to 
prison. Most of it, I think he got. Was he in California? Con- I think he got convicted for the ones in Florida. He killed that chick in uh, the Florida college dorm. He might have went to, I'm not sure. Or Dahmer. Or was Dahmer. He was in the Midwest, wasn't he? Dahmer, yeah. Or like down south a little sure. bit. sure. Somewhere around there. Idaho, Iowa. Dahmer. Did you ever watch uh, the one when he was a kid? I don't know. Can you smack any harder into the microphone? <laughs> I think it's called My Friend Dahmer. Yeah, it's called My Friend Dahmer. <clears throat> is him as a child. Didn't he like burn a cat or something? No, What's that movie? Where they do something to a cat and they blow up a mailbox and kill the chick. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, it was uh, the butterfly effect, wasn't it? Uh, butterfly effect one or two. Dyson Kutcher? Yeah. They go uh, back and he like, goes back to when he was a little kid and the, one guy mutilates the cat and then they put a pipe or a firecracker in the mailbox that explodes and kills one of the kid's moms or something. Uh, never seen it. Oh. Well, yeah, I don't know how we got so far off track on that, but uh, that's uh, as much as we can tell you about Frank Nash, I guess. But, yeah, it had to be done since he's a central player in uh, the 1930s bank robbery game. I would like to tell you more. I would like to tell you more. I would like to know more. I'm sure there's a book out there about Frank Nash that's about 500 pages long and uh, would probably be an excellent read. Most of it would be fiction, though. Well, he did get killed, so it's not like he uh, sat down for an autobiography interview or something right. like that, you know? So, right, right. Next week... We'll be back with Harvey Bailey, who was one of the most successful bank robbers of the Depression era, spanning 13 years of his career, several states. He actually stole more money than John Dillinger, but is he, less well-known. So, um, Dillinger was a murderer. Let's see if Harvey Bailey we'll was. see, but his story uh, ties into another gentleman named Wilbur Underhill Jr., who they were in a sh- gang together called the Bailey Underhill Gang for a short while. So, uh, And then... So we'll do Harvey Bailey next week, Wilbur Underhill Jr. the next week after that. And then after that, another interesting feller is going to be Eddie Bentz. Eddie Bentz. From Tacoma. Ooh. Who uh, J. Edgar Hoover himself wrote about him. He said, Eddie Bentz preferred peace and quiet, his books and his art, and had good companions. But he also said that he was the shrewdest, most resourceful, intelligent, and dangerous bank robber in existence. And this is F- this is this is Edgar Hoover who uh, right. had to deal with the likes of Dillinger, all those guys we've already done. So we've got an interesting couple of weeks coming up for you guys here on Outlaws and Gunslingers. Other than that, the Bang a Dang Show, wherever you get your podcasts. There's 300 some episodes you can go back and listen to. There's not. There's about 68 now. But um, either way, Monday Night Watch Along. We watch wrestling from the Attitude Era. And, uh, There's a hundred and some episodes of that. Good for that, yeah. And then um, Lee and Corey on the case, which is. But I strongly advise if you listen to the watch along that you're actually watching along because you 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 won't get it if you're not. <sighs> to be a lot of crickets. Well, I don't think so because you can hear what's going on in the background from mm-hmm. the from that's, the stuff. That's so. true. I guess if you have headphones on or something, right? Either or go check us out on all that stuff. You go check out the show on Twitter if it's still up at this point. I don't know. As of this day, we're recording on uh, the day the internet died. The day Facebook died. Do, 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 do. And you we can find us on Zuckerberg is a dirty sloth. Twitter at OGMM Podcast. Give us a follow, and that's where you hear all the updates from the show and everything else you need to know about it. And we'll be back next week for Harvey Bailey. Harvey We're the Mouth of Michiganders with Bailey. With Harvey Bailey. With Harvey Bailey, yeah. With Bang Dang. <laughs>